0: You're about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity podcast, season 5, episode 13. My guest today is Dr. Whitney Roban. Dr. Roban, or Whitney as I call her, is a sleep specialist. She provides education, she provides counseling, she does corporate programs, and she's a published author. Ready to meet? Dr. Roban or Whitney, as I call her, let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Meet Mediocrity podcast, season five, episode 13, the 98th. Episode of the Meet Mediocrity podcast. My guest today is Dr. Whitney Roman, and I'm going to call her Whitney from now on. And I didn't know Whitney. I didn't find Whitney online. I was actually having dinner with a friend, turns out a mutual friend now, but a friend who said to me, Hey, Mitch. Oh, by the way, this friend is a marketing and public relations expert and it was very interesting because um i was speaking to this guy and about the podcast and he says to me mitch you know you can really boom your following and he wasn't giving me a sales pitch i i can read through that but we were having lunch one day and he's started giving me some tips on how i can grow my following now i'm pretty happy with my following. Um, Every week, I have over a hundred, and sometimes hundreds of people who listen to my podcast. And let's face it, I'm just a regular person. And the fact that I've got hundreds of people who are saying, um, and 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 at this point, you know, over you know eleven thousand people who've listened to my podcast, and they say, um, and the fact that they listen to what I have to say and my guests have to say is kind of amazing because. Why the hell should they be listening to me? Anyway, he's like, that's kind of peanuts. If we take some strategic approaches to your marketing, your, your um, persona, the, your guest selection, you could really boom your podcast. And, you know, we went through the steps in some great detail. And I kind of said to him, you know, at this moment in time, that is just kind of a lot of work and the type of work that I'm just not interested in. I just love speaking to the guests. I love speaking to the guests because, honestly, it's therapeutic. They're teaching me stuff, and they're broadening my horizons, and I just love it. And And the thing that I love as much, or maybe a little more, is when random people who I don't even know listen to my podcast come to me, and they say, hey, Mitch, I listened to your podcast, and your interview with so-and-so, your discussion with so-and-so really made a huge impact in my life. So... Anyway, I was having this conversation with this friend of mine, and he's at the end of our lunch where I, I concluded that, that going from you know, 11,000 listeners or downloads to hundreds, or mi- hundreds of thousands or millions of downloads was not really an effort I was willing to make today. He says, I have a great guest for you to speak with on your podcast. And this is not a guest that I am recommending to you because it will make you a enormous podcast personality. It's a guest I want to introduce you to because she's an amazing person. She's got incredible insights about a very important topic and she's helped me a lot, him a lot, him personally. And so I said, who's the guest? I'm totally interested. And he said, Dr. Whitney Roban. Whitney's a friend of his personally. She's also um, someone who has provided consulting to him. And she's a sleep expert. In fact, she's a pioneer in the sleep area. Um, Today, there are many, many more sleep experts in this world than when Whitney started out. And... I reached out to her, she immediately responded. We had a great conversation and she is now today appearing on my podcast. She has written books, both children's books and adult books on sleep. She provides, she has a a private practice where she consults with people on their sleep and sleep habits and ways to become better sleepers. She does educational programs and corporate programs all around sleep. And as she said to me on the podcast, and you'll hear it soon, she says, even a good sleeper can become a great sleeper. And it impacts so many areas of our lives. It's a critically important area, especially in a day and age where a global pandemic, global geopolitical unrest, challenges with work, family, health, and otherwise, sleep can make an enormous difference on our overall well-being. So you, by now, you're totally interested in listening. So without further delay, here's my conversation with Dr. Whitney Roban. So Dr. Roban, thank you for being with me today.
1: Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me.
0: So um, just to be clear, um, you're Dr. Roban, but, but you're Whitney to me. So um, no disrespect if I call you Whitney on the podcast, Okay.
1: Absolutely.
0: Great. So Dr. Roban, the founder of Solve Our Sleep, which I love, and I think you did this on purpose, Solve Our Sleep is SOS. Yes, exactly. And oh my goodness, I, I was, when I was introduced to you, I was like a sleep specialist. We totally need to have a sleep specialist on this podcast because I think half the world has a sleep issue.
1: Yeah, and- especially during the pandemic.
0: Exactly. And, you know, I, I was talking to you, um, you know, asking you to be on the podcast. And I said, um, I consider myself a pretty good sleeper, but I could be better. And you said, almost even a good sleeper could become a great sleeper. And I, I like that. I'm like, I want to be a great sleeper. And,
1: and, and, there's,
0: and there's some people who I love who are pretty bad sleepers. So they need, they, they can totally use your help. So, Whitney, before I get into to sleep, um, I'd love to find out a little bit about how you got into sleep um, because it is such a big thing. You're kind of a pioneer in the field. I want to I want to talk a little bit about how you got into sleep and how and how your sleep practice has evolved. So I'm going to turn that over to you.
1: Sure, sure. It's an interesting story. Um, It's been 17 years. I'll try to condense it (laughs) into a little brief anecdote. Um, So I have my doctorate, my PhD in clinical and school psychology. I definitely did not have professional plans to be a sleep specialist. And two major life events changed my plans. And that was 9-11 and the birth of my children. Um, Now my oldest son is 19 and my younger son is 17. So, um, I was working, I found out I was pregnant on nine 11, living in New York city, literally watching the towers burn from my corner. And then that day got a call, found out that I was pregnant. And so, um, when I, it was a tough time working in midtown, everybody, all of us, you know, it was a tough
0: time for all of us, everybody
1: for the world. And, um, my company was was kind of ahead of their time in that they decided that when I was on maternity leave, I can come back hybrid. Nobody really did hybrid work that now. Right. I don't even think we called it hybrid. We didn't even know what it was called. Right. But I was supposed to go back part time, um, work from home part time, and work in the office part time. And then um, the head of my company left to had the Red Cross nine eleven kind of recovery. And mm-hmm. I got a call while I was on leave, and they said. We're getting rid of hybrid and flex time and you have to come back all or nothing. And I looked at my little son that was in my arms and I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to take a break. And here I was planning to be a working mom. And now I was a stay-at-home mom with a child who didn't sleep. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, wow, no one talked about this. I will not survive because sleep was always so important to me as a kid and growing up and as an adult. And so, you know, I taught him how to sleep well. And I was part of this 14th Street Why mommy and me group just you know telling teaching everybody and helping everybody how to get the kids to sleep and the head of the 14th Street Why said to me you should do this professionally and I said there is no profession you know maybe there were a few people doing it at the time and she said well you're really good and you should do it anyway makes the story a little bit shorter I got pregnant again moved my family to Los Angeles my second son did not sleep either nobody there was sleeping and that was when my practice was born I opened up a private practice in Los Angeles and I was seeing clients in my home office and years later I ended up getting divorced moving with the kids back to New York but most of my client base was based in LA so mm-hmm. I did something which is so common now this was 10 years ago but not common then all my work went virtual and so, okay, I so, actually- you, so you
0: were really <laughs> equipped for COVID world because you were virtual yeah. back when okay, okay.
1: Yes. So I said, wow, this, you know, my private practice, my sleep practice worked just as well virtually than I had to be in person. And I've been doing that ever since then, starting really way back 17 years ago, working with parents of little kids. And then once I got their kids sleeping, the parents would say to me, okay, now help me. Mm -hmm. And they would come to me with kids that were older and older. And so the practice really just grew. And now I work with, you know, babies through adults, all members of a family to get better sleep.
0: Do you so and and do you so and and Whitney, I know that I've seen a lot of um public. Dr. Roban, so it's not, it's you know, your practice also evolved from just seeing patients or seeing people who were were struggling to really being a bit of a public face of sleep. How did how did you how did you shift gears or evolve from Mm -hmm. private practice and patients to kind of a broader spectrum?
1: Yeah, that's been an interesting and really kind of fun part of my journey too. not many people know this, but I was um, an actress as a child. Mm -hmm. So that this um, public speaking was always kind of something inside of me that I wasn't really utilizing. And so the good news with sleep is that as I moved on in my career, the fields starting to explode. And -hmm. there were a lot of people that were becoming sleep coaches and just getting certifications online to do this. And I said, All right, There's so many people now that offer sleep coaching. What else can I do? And what I found when I worked with kids and talked to them, nobody really teaches children why sleep is important. It's not really a topic that's talked about in the home. And it certainly wasn't something they were taught in school. So I wrote a couple of children's books um, Mm -hmm. that you're familiar with, the Devin and Evan series. The first book is Devin and Evan Sleep from 8 to 7. And the follow-up book is Devin and Evan Play Fortnite Till Eleven. And what I tried to do in these books was, in a really fun, colorful, rhyming way, teach kids about the importance of sleep without trying to be too preachy. All the books out there were for parents about how to get the kids to sleep, but I thought, how can we end this this you know cycle of sleep deprivation through the ages? You know, every adult doesn't sleep well. How do we put an end to this? It's getting to the kids while they're young, because right. nobody prioritizes sleep, and if they understand the importance of it, they can grow up to be better sleepers than our generation or generations before us. And so, I wrote these books and I started going into schools and reading them to kids, and and I would ask the kids in the class, let's say. You know, a class of 34th graders. And I'd say, how many of you have trouble sleeping at night? And literally 30 hands will go in the air. And the teachers could not believe it. The kids were so enthusiastic about talking about sleep, wanting to get better sleep and admitting how badly that they slept. And that's when the the idea came to me, well, you know, we teach about physical education in schools and we teach about nutrition in schools. Why don't we teach sleep as part of the health education? It is literally the third pillar of health, along with diet and exercise, mm-hmm. but it's not taught in the schools. So I wrote a sleep curriculum.
0: You and did, that was, yeah. And, and, that was, and, and, and for what grade levels?
1: Um, I wrote it for all grades: elementary, middle, and high school.
0: All the way through high school. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, some school districts really want to get, you know, start with the little ones. And I do, I do a lot of that teaching through the books and the middle and high schoolers. Again, you'd be surprised how into it they are. You know, they know they don't feel well, they, they don't prioritize it. They prioritize their phones and social media and Snapchat and video games, but they do recognize that they don't sleep well. So, um, you know, in the past couple of years through the pandemic, things have really just taken off, not only because everybody's so concerned about um, the wellness, the physical wellness of kids and adults, but also the mental health and mental wellness. And you can't talk about mental health without talking about sleep. So um, I've worked a lot more in schools. uh, And because it's virtual now, I'm able to work with schools all around the country. And um, I think I'll continue doing that even hopefully soon, when we're out of this pandemic, um, just so I could, like you said, the face of sleep, I could reach the most kids, students, school staff, parents, I do workshops for everybody that's within a school community, private schools and public schools. So and then I also do corporate corporate work too, which is I've been doing for a while as well. A lot of companies also really picked off the past few years during the pandemic, everybody's just into wellness. I'm sure your podcast yep. is taking off these couple yep. of years. We all know and understand how important our physical and emotional wellness is. And sleep is just probably the most, in my opinion, the most significant part of it. You know, you can't be physically and emotionally healthy without good sleep.
0: You know, the thing is with sleep, it's it's easy to take it for granted because there is, it's harder, it's harder To put your finger on a physical um outcrop of not getting good sleep, right? You don't Mm -hmm. diet well, you're lethargic, you 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 put on weight. If you're not physically fit, you can't walk upstairs, you can't lift heavy objects, etc. Sleep, it's just like I'm tired. Like it's 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 taken for granted. So I'd love to explore this a little bit. Let's let's start by looking at the kids the preteen kids um and then we'll then we'll move on from there because what i'd love to do is talk a little bit about the challenges and and maybe some tips and tricks certainly i don't expect you to teach a whole curriculum on my podcast (laughs) i love but listen um there are people who are in i'm look i'm intrigued I know my listeners are intrigued. We want to hear a little bit more so that Mm -hmm. we can whet the appetite even more around getting better sleep. So why don't we start with the um, 10 and under crowd and Mm -hmm. um, what are are their biggest challenges and what can parents do for them?
1: I think um, sleep anxiety, well, okay, overall, not just kids, but the number one cause of sleep problems is anxiety and stress. Mm -hmm. And that generation, I mean, all kids, and really not just that age, everybody's so super stressed right now, parents as well. So there's no wonder that everybody's having sleep problems. The issue is that when they have trouble falling asleep, or they wake up in the middle of the night, they don't know how to get themselves to sleep or back to sleep. So what they do is they call for their parents. They Mm -hmm. go into their parents' beds, or they have their parents come in. Everybody's tired. Everybody's cranky, and that becomes what's called a sleep association. That's the same thing true for for younger ones too. Is that you start to believe that you can't do it. You can't sleep on your own. You don't have the skills to, and you need somebody else to help. So for younger kids, it's usually parents. Mm -hmm. As kids get older, it's often. you know, electronics that they need. A lot of high schoolers and above. It's now supplements, melatonin, CBD for older people. You know, teenagers. Um, I'm hearing a lot of THC for adults. A lot of people are using alcohol and THC, and then as we go on and on to sleep pills like an Ambien. So it's just, and that's again why I'm focused so much now. You know, I've done the private practice for many years, and I still love it, but what i truly love now is getting spreading the information out to kids, the preteens, all the way through adults because people just don't know they're they're helpless how to get better sleep and it's actually not rocket science, you know, unless there's a medical reason why you're not sleeping, it's there's a lot of very small things you can do to get better sleep. And so the little the young ones as you ask have to be taught how but they also have to learn they can do it on their own, and it's very hard for parents. And I, I'm a parent. You're a parent, so we know <laughs> um, it's hard to pull yourself away from that because you want to keep helping them. But they're never going to learn how to do it on their own if you don't teach them how and then let them see that they can do it.
0: So what? So what can they do? And then, you know, part of the problem is you said if you've got anxiety. And you can't you can't go with the sleep association. You can't go with the break you know get get in bed with your parents or have your parents get in bed with you. If your brain is racing and you're too young to even understand that your brain is racing, how do you shut it down?
1: So there is some um breathing techniques that I work with simple breathing techniques. And also the other thing, you know, being a cognitive behavioral psychologist, these are things that I would work on with a child just experiencing anxiety or starting to have panic attacks. It's the same thing. It's mind and body. It's our mind controls our body. So when we start to get anxious, you have a physiological response and you have a cognitive response, oftentimes your first is cognitive, you get nervous, Mm -hmm. and then your body reacts to it. So we have to do two things. We have to calm our brain, and we have to calm our body. So we calm our body with breath. Most of us take very short, um, shallow breaths too frequent, we need to learn how to breathe slowly. Yoga is great for that. Mm-hmm. I learned how to do that in my yoga practice many years ago. And then something called I call cognitive distractions, or these cognitive games, that I'll teach variations, starting with the elementary school set, and then they get a little more, you know, intricate for you know, older kids and for adults. And again, tips and tricks and tools. And that's one part. Those are like the, the tangibles. But the other thing is just starting with before you get into the house, and this is how I start all of my workshops is I know all my attendees are here for the house, even especially in the corporate workshop, these, you know, corporate executives that are overworked and not sleeping, just teach me how to get better sleep. You're not going to take my advice and listen to me if you don't value why you need to do this. And once you understand the importance, the whys, then you'll change the hows. You'll you'll commit. But you you can't. We can't get to the, those deep breathing techniques and everything else until you understand why sleep is so important. And there's. A million pieces of the puzzle that have to fit for sleep, and one big part of that are sleep schedules. And I can't tell you when I go talk with schools, kids in elementary school. And I ask them how many of you have a bedtime, and nobody raises their hands. I have a bedtime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> I should have a bedtime. I have <laughs> a bedtime. But let's. But, but but I do want to hear this. So let's let's talk a little bit about those adults who need to understand the value of sleep before they can begin to. Address sleep
1: mm-hmm.
0: other than feeling great when you get a good night's sleep because you're not tired mm-hmm. um, what what are the what what uh, tell me a little bit about the importance of good sleep,
1: sure. so let's start with the physical component to it. So there's physical, there's emotional, then there's behavioral. Those are the three areas of life. So what I always say is sleep is is literally the single most important behavior you engage in on a daily basis. Why is that? Because it literally affects everything in your life head to toe every single day, right? So physical, it is um, besides just your immune system gets stronger while you sleep. So you're more likely to get sick if you don't sleep well. That's in the short term. That's, you know, yeah, nobody wants to catch a common cold. What is a bigger problem? It is related to long-term significant diseases such as Alzheimer's, obesity, cancer, stroke, heart attacks.
0: All tied to sleep.
1: All tied to sleep, scientifically shown. So like you said, well, you just know you feel good. Yeah, it it takes a long time for those severe um, you know, repercussions of bad sleep, is, um, sleep deprivation is cumulative. So mm-hmm. yeah, you could survive, you know, a day or two weeks, months, years, but th- over time, over years, you can, it can be very dangerous, especially um, sleep apnea is highly underdiagnosed and people don't understand how dangerous sleep apnea can be. So yes, it, it is you just feel bad the next day, but there's so much more. So there's the physical part of it. And then the emotional part. If you're feeling stressed or anxious, or have a clinical anxiety disorder or clinical depression, you're definitely going to feel more anxious the next day after a bad mm-hmm. night. Of sleep. You're definitely going to feel more depressed or sad. If you don't, you know, have a diagnosis of that, you might just all of a sudden start to feel anxiety that you've never felt before in your life, or. Sadness that you've never felt. So it it has to do with your emotional and then behavioral. And this is what I stress to students and to employees. Every single behavior that you need, kids need to be successful in school and workers, employees, management, CEOs need to be successful at work. Um, Being organized, being able to focus, being efficient, getting along with others, problem solving skills and on and on everything that you need is affected by sleep.
0: So let me so a couple things that are interesting here. So now I want to I want to speak a little bit about these adults. So these clearly sleep is sleep, sleep, clearly being a good or great sleeper is mm-hmm. is good for you. It's good mm-hmm. for us. The one thing I've noticed personally I think I I consider myself a B-plus sleeper, maybe an A-minus, maybe an A-minus. But um, one thing about me is I'm just going to ask you a selfish question because I'm curious and then I want to expand it. But in the middle of the night, Whitney, when I wake up and I actually have trouble going back to sleep because my brain does start racing, Mm -hmm. I intellectually know that the problem that I'm dealing with in the middle of the night it always seems worse at yes. night it's mm. never a big deal in the
1: morning why
0: <laughs> why why is that
1: okay so there's a couple of reasons why and then there's a few things that you should be doing so just obvious. We're so busy during the day, right? You're not focused. You know, we have a million things to do. We're taking care of ourselves and our family members, and you're around people and talking. You're not. You don't. Have, it's not quiet. So when you get into bed at night, of course, and there's no other sounds, that's when our mind goes. If you don't take the time during the day to process those thoughts and fears and anxieties and worries. When your brain and body quiet down and you fall asleep, that's during your REM sleep and your deep sleep is when your brain processes what you learned and your thoughts from the day. So if you take the time during the day to process them, to write them out, which is why I'm a big proponent of journaling before bed, your brain has already gone through that process. And it will be less likely to do that while you're trying to sleep or when you wake up in the middle of the night. So we have to focus on our anxieties and worries throughout the day. If you can, you know, take a mental health break during the day or before bed, have a journal next to your bed, get out those thoughts. I tell kids often to do this too. And one big rule that I tell parents is once a kid journals or for little ones, talk about it maybe before dinner with them or right after dinner, in a bath. But right before bed is when kids will say to parents, so all these bad things happened to me today, (laughs) right? Right. Teacher was mean, you know, my friend was, you know, and I had a fight. We don't want those thoughts to start intruding at that time. We want to go through them, have talk time with your kids earlier in the day, process it, and then say before bed to your children, we are only going to talk now about positive things. And I say, tell them, you know, everybody in the families is one good thing that happened to them that day, two good things that make them happy, something they're grateful for and kind of flip it, the conversation before bed as something positive, but you have to get those anxieties and thoughts out at some point or they're going to intrude at night exactly when you don't want them to.
0: So how so this is great. And I get it. And and I, you know, I always I always have the same thought about being in my my I have a, I have a happy place that my family and friends know where that is. And um I always picture myself, you know, going for a walk my happy pace and boom, yeah. I fall asleep. Um so the issue for me um, is sometimes um, going back to sleep when I wake up. Like so, I go to yeah. the bathroom. I usually go to the bathroom once during the middle of the night. I, mm-hmm. um, I I can't go back to sleep. Sometimes there are people. There are a lot of adults who either can't fall asleep, can't or can't stay asleep, or can't go back to sleep. Um, I assume the I don't know are the tricks or the tips to help you sleep better applicable for all of those instances or yes. they uh, yeah they are I but what, they what I good.
1: what I hear most um, more often is what you said waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to get back to sleep most people tell me they have an easy time falling asleep
0: that's right uh, that's what ha- well, that what have well that's that's me for sure so yeah, yeah. so Whitney give give the adult listeners including yours truly some tips for those moments because it is a struggle and 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 i do like the cardinal sin right i lay there for five minutes ten minutes i start worrying and then i reach for my phone and i am sunk sunk. Yeah. but um I, but i know that i know i'm sunk so t- do do I, want to, I want to i want to <laughs> i want to be an a plus sleeper so help me out here
1: so get your phone out of your room if you can't you know the, the you know, uh, you know, prevent yourself from looking at it when you wake up in the middle of the night. That is the first thing that everybody tells me they do, or mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to admit it, but they finally do. They turn mm-hmm. to their phone. Yep. Once you do that, two things number one, the blue light starts going into your eyes, tricks mm-hmm. your brain into thinking that it is now daytime, not nighttime, and your body stops producing the melatonin it needs to be sleepy. Okay, so we don't want to do that. And the other thing is you go down that social media rabbit hole. How many times if you logged in to Instagram or Facebook, you just want to check something and it's an hour later and you're somewhere watching, you know, videos of cats, right? (laughs) You definitely that's not going to help you fall asleep. So either If you need your phone next to you, you cannot check it, no matter, turn it off. You don't, you know, all those dings and likes, we're addicted to our phones for a reason. It creates a release of dopamine in the brain. And we want that, right? We want that feeling. So we Mm -hmm. keep going for more. So best thing to do is charge the phone outside of your room so you do not check it or put it On the opposite side of your room, so you you know know you won't get up out of the bed because that's Mm -hmm. definitely the number one um, thing to do, to not do in the middle of the night is check your phone. Of course, you have to get up and go to the bathroom. Um, the other important thing is the more you will yourself to go to sleep and look at the clock and say, if I go to sleep now, I will still have three hours. I (laughs) I do that all the time. Two hours, right? So it doesn't matter, you know, what you have to you have to turn those negative sleep thoughts into positive sleep thoughts. All right, so if I don't fall asleep the rest of the night, it doesn't matter what time it is. I'm either gonna fall asleep or I'm not. I'll survive the next day. Take the pressure off of you. And then after about 20 or 30 minutes of laying there, you're not gonna will yourself back to sleep. So you get up, and something I recommend. Um, that everybody have in their room is or outside of their room is what I call your sleep oasis. A place that you find very relaxing and very comforting that's already set up for you before you go to bed. So if you're laying there and you, you know, again, you might not have a clock in your room. So you just feel whether it's been about 30 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. It's a 30-30 roll of um behavioral kind of behavior that for insomnia. You get up and you go to that sleep oasis. Maybe you have um some sort of room spray i particularly like lavender it's relaxing for me you have some relaxing music you have a book a um weighted blanket there anything that you find relaxing and you spend the next 30 minutes getting yourself relaxed calm and tired and then get back into bed and try it again you don't want to just sit there and wait and wait and wait staring at the clock
0: Interesting. So you're allowed to get up if you get up the right way.
1: Yes, but not get up and start, you know, doing your taxes. (laughs) You know, something that's going to stress you out. It has to be something that is relaxing to you that you look forward to doing. So if you can't fall asleep, it's not like, oh, no, I'm going to get up now and do my taxes. Like you're going to your sleep oasis. It's calm. It's nice. You're going to feel good there. You're going to be relaxed and start again get back into bed after that and see how, if it goes better for you.
0: I love that. Um, well, that's incredibly helpful. So, um, sleep. so, the, so let's just say, um, you, when you, when you, when you do that, do most, so, I, was, I guess what I was going to say is most people, this is not going to work all the time. It'll work. It'll work sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the thing that people tend to do, at least I actually started to do it and I, I kind of don't want to, is they turn to like, like you said, melatonin or something like mm-hmm. that. Is, is it, is trying to see sleep supplement a good idea or is it better to just kind of like shrug your shoulders and say, I'll be a little bit more tired today and tomorrow will be a better night. Tomorrow night will be a better night.
1: Yeah. Well, supplements are okay. I wouldn't reach for the, you know, for the prescription sleep aids, like the ambience. Those are not good. They're addicting. You won't feel good the next day. You're groggy, which defeats the purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wouldn't go that route. Um, Melatonin sales increased 200% over the pandemic. So, you know, Everybody understands melatonin is the sleep hormone, and that's what we're going to use to get sleepy. However, melatonin is not like an ambient; it's more of a sleep regulator. Mm-hmm. And so, when your sleep schedule is really off whack, and you you know need to go to sleep earlier, but you you're going to sleep at two or three o'clock in the morning, that could help you regulate your sleep cycle, your circadian rhythm. Um, But what most people tell me after a while with melatonin is they have to keep increasing the dose because their body gets used to it. And at a higher dose, um, it can cause very vivid dreams and nightmares and headaches and nausea the next day. So it's really not a it's not an everyday long term solution. It's a good temporary solution for adults not kids, you know, if you're going to give it to your kid, get your approval from your pediatrician for adults, just make sure what else is in the melatonin. You know, a lot of times now it's not just pure melatonin. it's mixed with other things. Talk to your doctor. I know it's not regulated. People don't tell their doctor they're taking it, but you should always let your doctor know. Mm -hmm. Um, Start with a lower dose and, you know, just know that you can't just, you can't just be on your phone at night and you know, check your phone in the middle of the night and do all these, you know, bad things, eat right before bed, drink alcohol right before bed, do all the things we're not supposed to do, and then think you're gonna take melatonin and all your sleep troubles are gonna be gone. It's not that kind of magic pill or magic gummy. Well, okay.
0: I have a friend. I have a friend who's been trying to convince me. So I'm a pretty straight laced person. I don't drink a lot. I maybe have a beer a week. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't do drugs. Um, my biggest drug is cookies. So my <laughs> problem, that's my problem. But, um, the, I have a friend who is telling me that if you take these pills that are, um, melatonin plus cbd you will have mm-hmm. a sleep party he's mm-hmm. like you will literally be like a unconscious for the entire eight hours and you will wake up good to go you won't have any drug after effect uh, mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah that's not my thing should i do it though it kind of sounds like fun
1: You could definitely try. You know, the good news is there's no, um, there's no scientific reports that there's any harm in taking anything like melatonin or CBD, um, which is great. Um, There's not a lot of long term studies, but most of the science on it is anecdotal, like your friend. So, um, sure, it does. If, if, if it's helping you, whether it's a true effect or a placebo effect, who cares? It's working. You're getting good sleep. That's the ultimate goal, right? but I'd say once it starts working, you don't want to have to keep in you know increasing doses. So right. you know you, there are other things you should do in in conjunction with it. But um, yes, mo- most people I know that have tried some form of CBD and melatonin have found that it helped. The only thing I hear often is that it stops helping after a while, and then okay. you don't want to go back to where you were. So while you're using it. You have to learn some other forms of, you know, behavioral therapy, you know, to fix your insomnia, or, you know, if it's not that intense, like, you know, true clinical insomnia, just more better sleep hygiene, and really just prioritizing your sleep, which is what I said is the first part of my workshops is just about why do we need to, why should everyone agree with me that it is the single most important behavior? You engage in on a daily basis. Everybody needs to believe that because it's the truth.
0: Well, I love this. So, um, as we're approaching the end of the podcast, Whitney, um, let's target both. Par- so, you're out there. You've got you've got a lot of places that we can find you. But but if you're a either a parent of a young child who's struggling, or a, an adult who. Has the worries of the world in, in their head, a, a, and either one is affecting uh, a good night's sleep. What would what would be your first uh, step if you were them to either seek you out or seek help, uh, other help? Like, wh- 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 what's the first? What's their first move?
1: Well, it depends, and if you know they want to commit to you know a you know a CBTI cognitive behavior for insomnia program, mm-hmm. um, there's not that many of us out there that do it, but you know, and cognitive
0: enough. behavior therapy for insomnia, CBTI, right.
1: CBTI. Okay. So you can go online and look that up. There's definitely a lot of apps now that you can, you know, purchase that have, you know, um, self guided CBTI and sleep coaches. Um, you can try some of the wearables. A lot of them um, have not proven to be that great at really, you know, detecting how well we're sleeping. Um, what from what I understand, the latest research shows that the aura ring is the number one most effective. Mm. Okay. Um, so there's that. Um, for kids, you know, every kid goes to school. so if maybe you want to bring me into your school, um, you can definitely reach you know contact me through my website or email, Instagram, um, and I work with you know the students, but I also do um, professional development for teachers i work with parents and all school staff so that's another option to get some you know if it's your kids to get some or help parenting you know sleep parenting your kids in relation to sleep you can go through their school districts and call me um same thing maybe your organization you know if we'll pay for it um, to bring me in or maybe you know they'll subsidize the one-on-one mm-hmm. coaching so you can go to your employer to your hr to the wellness department and talk to them, tell them you heard me on this podcast and see if they would want to contact me and maybe get help through your, you know, company. So there's definitely, it's to get help.
0: And and Whitney, last question. So I have someone in mind, I won't name the name, but I have someone in mind who has been down all of the basic paths. Melatonin Mm -hmm. doesn't work. The the medication doesn't make them feel good. Um, You know, they go to, they go to therapy, like what are what are some of the things that the people who are kind of beyond the basics, you know, are they, is it, these are just people who are, have a sleep apnea or a high anxiety that requires a more, more, um, you know, a deeper level uh, of therapy and support or what are some, are there other mm-hmm. things that, that, that people who suffer greatly from lack of sleep should consider?
1: Well, for adults, definitely getting a sleep study could be a good step. Mm -hmm. And, um, Fixing the apnea, which, you know, you people think you just have to be an overweight older male to have sleep apnea. And that's not true. Some kids have apnea. It's not that common in kids, but women can get sleep apnea too, not even overweight women. Mm -hmm. So a sleep study would be a good start. It could be medical. Um, Talk to your doctor. Maybe there's a medication you're taking that you don't realize is affecting your sleep. Um, And so you can go the medical route and, you know, you can, you know, look for another CBTI, you know, if you haven't, if your friend or the person you know hasn't gone that specific route, but also working with a regular therapist to help if it's an anxiety, you know, a mental health kind of thing. Um, And maybe, you know, fixing the anxiety with cognitive behavioral therapy or medication for that. And then that can be in conjunction with fixing your sleep too. So remember, like you said, we talked about, you know, it's, it's physical, it's emotional, and it's behavioral. So all those aspects of your life can impede upon sleep. But on the flip side, good sleep can help all those aspects of your life too.
0: That's amazing. Well, listen, first of all, thank you very much again for joining me. Um, SolveOursleep.com, that's your yeah. website. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put it in the notes for the podcast, so everyone's going to see that. And um, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on and giving me a few personal tips and tricks.
1: You're welcome, Mitch. Stay well and stay right. well. So. You
0: too. Take care. So there you have it. You know the interesting part about the conversation I found is a that sleep is quote unquote a problem for so many people, young kids teenagers, young adults, professional adults. And it's a a problem because, at least in many instances, it starts with stress. And we all have stress, all forms of stress, either just a bad day or or some chronic form of anxiety, either a mild or more, more severe case. But all that stress impacts our sleep. Even young kids who might be scared of something or or have had, you know, a difficult challenge with a friend, they have stress. And that stress impacts our sleep, and that lack of sleep or a lack of exceptional sleep really has an enormous impact on a whole array of our health and wellness. So, employing, Dr. Roban, employing some of the tips and tricks That she provides, and perhaps exploring it in more detail beyond the the basic tips and tricks is something we should all consider because sleep might be the most underestimated aspect of our lives that impacts our wellness. So thank you, Whitney, for joining the podcast. Thank you to my listeners. Please continue to share the Meet Mediocrity podcast with your friends if you're enjoying it at all, and I know many of you do. Please continue to follow us on social media, including Instagram and Facebook. And um, look, A, there's a lot going on in this world. Please try to maintain your health and wellness. Please try to maintain your sleep. Please also remember that spring is around the corner. Maybe spring will bring a better world, a better geopolitical situation in our world perhaps a a continued downturn of our pandemic and um may our lives become a little bit less stressful so um that's it continue to stay safe keep smiling and be well everyone take care